Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Hardwood Handicappers, VEASAN's premier NBA betting podcast. All right, folks, what's up? Welcome in. It is Hardwood Handicappers here on Friday, December 22nd. A uh, very happy holidays to everybody. We will, uh, we'll we'll put this out up front. We will have an episode for Christmas Day. We will record that a little bit early and get that up. Um, But we will have a Christmas Day episode to break down what I think is one of the better sporting days in the the calendar, only because I'm a big Christmas guy. I think we've established that. I do enjoy the holiday of Christmas, so... Um, that coupled with one of my favorite sports in the NBA makes the day absolutely fantastic. And uh, Zach Cohen is with us, by the way. I should mention Zach is uh, here. It's just me and Zach. Zach, my um, my family, my in laws, my wife, um, they are of Mexican descent and heritage, and so we celebrate uh, La Buena Noche, which is like you know the, this, uh, Christmas Eve is essentially yeah. when we do everything, and Christmas Day is Leave Me Alone, which is awesome. So I cannot wait for Christmas Day. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Uh, I know that we talked about Thanksgiving, and all you did was get takeout. Um, Christmas in the household of the Coens is what? So I'm Jewish, but my wife's side, like they care about Christmas more than they do Hanukkah, I think. Or That's right. I, think like, you, I, I asked you this before. Yeah. yeah, they like the you know at least like the social aspect of it, and it's yep. a big deal. So it's actually tough for me because I'm always working, and I just have to like my we, my wife and I we sleep over at my in laws Sunday night. We spend all day there Monday, but I'm like bouncing back and forth between my, my the guest room to do some work. So it's always tough for me. That's interesting. So Hanukkah is over, correct? Hanukkah is over. Okay. All right. So yeah, that's I, that's always an interesting aspect because I do feel like Christmas is has become more of a, like, I'll put it this way. Over the next few days, there's going to be no celebrating of the birth of baby Jesus for us, right? Like mm-hmm. it's it's more just like you said, the commercial and social aspect of like, Hey, today's the day we give each other gifts, you know? Yep. So I, I do think that there's people like, you know, like you who celebrate Hanukkah, whatever it is, that that's got heavy Jewish uh, or to be Jewish uh, religious ties where you can still do the whole Christmas thing because it's more of like a, like you said, like a social thing, not so much a religious thing anymore. Yeah, I don't think I got a single present for Hanukkah, but there's going to be stuff under the tree for Christmas. So there that's we interesting. Go. I'm not religious yeah. at all. So like, I, 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 don't, I think you guys asked me like two weeks ago when Hanukkah started. I had no idea, but it was like a day later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> So how does Hanukkah work? Do you get a gift every day or how is it supposed to work? You're supposed to get a gift every day as opposed to just, yeah, as opposed to the the lot of gifts on Christmas. Interesting. Interesting. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We got the big one for the kid. Uh, He's not here. He's at school. So I can say this out loud. The big one that I'm excited for is the kid is getting a scooter, Um, like a razor scooter. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I'm excited. So, uh, cause I've been wanting to like, I've been getting an itch. Uh, to get like a bike and go out and like go riding and stuff. So if he gets mm-hmm. his, we can go out and go do stuff. So I'm very much excited for watching him bust open the scooter and then go out and 
watch him eat crap a whole bunch of times and whatnot. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. So all, I'm actually all my friends, all my friends got razors back when I was a kid, but my parents cheaped out and got me like a yak or something. Dude. It, yep. Same thing. Like, all my all friends had razors. Yeah. Yep. And um, mine was like an urban something yeah. like that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> got like the Costco, <laughs> like Kirkland scooter. Yeah. It's like, what is this? I mean, I get it. It's got two wheels and it works the same, but still like, no, I want the brand baby. Now here's the thing really quickly. When I was, how old are you? I'm 32. Okay, so we're the exact same age pretty much. I'm yeah. 33. I just turned 33 like a couple months ago. Um, so when I was like in first first grade, there was like this big, was this for the same for you? There was this big surge of yo-yos are in. You know what I mean? Like yo-yos so. were ish. So like there was like the Duncan yo-yos and um, the Viper yo-yos. I don't know if you remember those, but like there was I like remember. this big surge of yo-yos to the point where I entered a yo-yo competition. Like, you know, you had to walk the dog, you had to rock the cradle, oh. you had to do all that stuff. And I ended up finishing like third and I got like a Dunkin' Yo-Yo out of it. But was that the same thing for you? I had like a Yo-Yo collection at one point. I think we had Yo-Yos. I think Slinkies were big at one point. And the, I think the biggest gift that like was when I was a kid was like the Mark McGuire Vortex Bat. The, yeah. Uh, the, the Nerf one. That was awesome. That's <laughs> the coolest now, gift of all time. The gift I never got were soaps. Do you remember soaps? No. Soaps were the shoes that had the grind plate attached to the, oh, to yes, the sole yeah. of the shoe. Dude. Yeah, I do know what you're talking about. Those things Those, were kind of cool. It should come Those back. were cool. Yeah. <laughs> screw Heelys and all that stuff. Those were a thing for a little bit, but nah, <laughs> screw that. I was all about the soaps. I wanted soaps, but I never got them. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, whatever. I don't believe in Santa anymore. I stopped last year. <laughs> all right. So I also don't believe in the Detroit Pistons anymore. Um, I can't do it. And uh, Zach, we watched that yesterday. I know that you had your eye on it. I was actually working sidelines for UNLV basketball, taking on Hostra. So while I was supposed to be paying attention, I did. Uh, but I was also furiously refreshing my phone to see what was going on at the end of this game. Pistons end up losing again. And this one felt a little different. And I don't know if maybe because the coverage was a little bit different. There were a lot more people talking about it. Uh, we saw a lot more post game from it as well, but you kind of saw more. I think at least you saw more from the Pistons in that they were actually responding more in post game about like the losing streak itself. Like Kate Cunningham was very vocal about it, and like that's a missed opportunity, dude. Alenic Collins, Fonte- how do you pronounce his name? Fontecchio. Fontecchio. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> uh, Sexton and Chris Dunn. That's your starting five <laughs> for the Utah Jazz yesterday, and you couldn't stop them. Like, that was incredible watching that. You give up 119 points. You're never in it. I texted you guys, and I was like, come on, we're still in this, boys. They cut it to, I think, two was the best that they got it to and then just kind of gave up and let the rope go and ultimately lost again. And we're all sitting here with tickets in our hands, of right? Like, money line I had. You had plus one, whatever. Like, never in it. And I just, look, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. I, this is my second swearing off of them, and I am officially <laughs> swearing off of them. But, like, I, I know it's going to come when I ask this question. But, like, when does it come? If it wasn't going to be last night, when does this end? I don't know. Like, I, I'll tell you one thing that's weird is, like, I felt better about it when I thought Lowry Markkinen was playing than when he was announced out and then, like, everyone in the world pounced on the Pistons. Because it felt like everyone last night did bet on Detroit and everyone was watching the game. And it was just a really weird phenomenon because of how bad they've been that, like, everyone had it. Everyone was rooting for them. It was bad last night. Like you said, like Cade Cunningham looked really dejected on the court as well. Um, 
I thought that, you know, he contributed in a way to the to the Pistons not letting that game get, get close again. Like, it felt like every time they cut it to two or three, he would drive in and just kind of like cough the ball up and, and then the Jazz would go the other way and score. Like, it was just it was just an ugly game. When I texted and said that I, I don't feel good about this, it was like the second quarter they had gone down eight or something. They, they just go through these stretches where they don't even look like an NBA basketball team. They, yep. they all look really disconnected. I don't know. Like I do think it's going to come like like at a point where we don't expect it, and I think that there are spots on the schedule coming up. Like I can see them winning one of these next two against the Nets. Yes. So I, I tweeted that out yesterday, and I just asked the question. I did get a lot of responses, but my question was just like, "All right, here's the Pistons' schedule through January. Where does the win come?" Uh, you mentioned it. So their next two games at Brooklyn and then home versus Brooklyn. Uh, that'll be through Christmas. They're at Boston, home versus Toronto. I haven't seen Toronto's end of this, but I think you're maybe highlighting that one. Toronto is not very good. Bottom at, you know, bottom half of the league defense, bottom half of the league offense. Uh, again, Utah's not very good, but whatever. Um, you know, and then you enter a four-game swing that goes to the West Coast. Houston, Utah, Golden State, Denver. You come back home for Sacramento. I mean, does are we really looking at like Wednesday the the 10th against San Antonio? Like, would that actually be it? Would they lose another? Let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. Would they lose another nine straight games before they get to Sacramento San Antonio? Here's the thing. You know what it's gonna be? It's gonna be like on the road against Denver. It's gonna be a I, ridiculous spot where they just go in there and it's just variance and they just hit a whole bunch of threes and they're just hot and they're just you, you just can't miss and you end up winning some high scoring ridiculous game against Denver. That, that is what it's going to be. It's going to be something that nobody expects, but I do think that like we spoke about it the other day, kind of like the nine and a half win total. Like I would yeah. go under now. Like I, yes. I, after what I've seen the last few nights, like I would definitely go under on nine and a half. I just, they're not getting better. Like that's no. the thing. Like they're not getting better in any way. And the lineups that I thought would be somewhat successful. Haven't been like Bogdanovich at the four. Like he hasn't been shooting well. He hasn't been scoring the way we've become used to. Maybe he'll get better. Like the further away he gets from that injury, but like the fit, the pieces don't fit together at all. Yep. Uh, all right. So I think that's you know that's the story from yesterday. Uh, anything else? What did, what else did you watch? I, I I had my eyes on. It's not really worth like entirely updating. Um, I was watching because I was off the air finally for that um, UNLV game. Really got my eyes on the second half of Wizards and uh, Trailblazers. Wizards had a a 14-point lead with six minutes left to go and had to win on the final possession. Uh, that was absolutely insane to watch. But I didn't get to watch much in action yesterday. What else did you watch? I quickly switched off the Jazz Pistons and got over to uh, Spurs Bulls. I, I've right. been watching them like nightly, which is part of the reason why I keep betting them. Like, I just really think that they're a good team now. It's it's really odd. I mean, like you just lose a 25 point per game scorer and then all of a sudden these guys are playing in roles that fit them better. But I do think that as currently constructed, it's a good team. And it's interesting because I, I, I mentioned it a few days ago, but like I think they're going to get to a point where it's almost like the Sixers where they'll trade Levine for any spare parts they can get and they'll, they'll be a playoff team. Like I don't, I don't know if they're going to end up making the DeRozan move or the yeah. Caruso move, even if like they should for their long-term, we know that this team cares about how they do in the short term. So I think that they've been good enough lately to kind of justify staying the course. Um, and I do think that they're a team that we're going to want to continue betting as long as these numbers are the way they are. Would we have one? Let me see. Cause you've been watching them a ton. I want to get these updated odds so I can ask you an accurate question here. Um, from a, from a future standpoint, they are, double check this, plus 285 to make the playoffs. And I think this one's more realistic, as I'm sure you are, 
plus 130 to participate in the East play-in. Are either one of those you think something worth looking at? Definitely the play-in. Um, I'm nervous about the playoffs, and I'm nervous about it. Honestly, I guess in some ways both, because like the option is there to trade everybody and blow it up. Like It's a little yep. nerve-wracking, but I, I kind of like both a little. <laughs> yeah. uh, not enough to put anything big on it. I just do think that above 500 basketball can be expected the rest of the season. I mean, because here's the thing: like, if you you bet either, but specifically on the playoffs, so they're a half game out of the tenth spot right now, so they don't have a far, they don't have a, a tough hill to climb at all um, to get into the play in. They're three and a half games back from the top play in seed, which is something that's worth noting because you get to play the home games there. And the teams is currently constructed. If they keep on this path, Zach, Atlanta, Brooklyn, Indiana, Cleveland are the teams that are in the play in right now. Of those four, I think in a matchup, specifically at home, uh, actually, I know, you'll be favored against, for sure, three of the four. Um, so you could be sitting at like plus 285 to get to the playoffs. And if they make it all, you know, they keep going the way that they're going. You know, you got a team that's favored, but you got them at plus 285 to make the playoffs. You can do something with it. So I, I'm, I'm intrigued by them. I think you're right. Like, I have to watch them. I haven't seen, I haven't watched them since you've kind of been on this run here with them. But at the very least, I think your point is accurate in that this front office doesn't care that they're not winning a finals. They just want to sell tickets and have people come to their games. And what better way to do that than push for a play-in and, and get like you know, a play-in and potentially playoff series. They would love it. Yeah, I think if I had to bet on like a specific outcome, I'd say they finish as the seven seed and, yeah. they, and they host a play-in game. Yeah, And you get two cracks at it. That's the, other, that's the best part yep. about it, right? You get two cracks. So even if you lose the first game, you get, not, you get, a, uh, you get the potential to do it. Uh, and what right. do they get? What, what, sorry, I was gonna say, what what do they get in a Levine trade? Like, it could be something that does end up helping, sure. even if it's nothing major. I mean, if it's is it like Hashimura and Russell? Like, like I, don't, I don't know if Russell makes this team any better, but you know, depending on what they can potentially get from like the Kings or something, there are pieces that could help. Yeah, I mean, I don't think they would get him. I'm not good at trading. If I was them, I'd want Jared Vanderbilt. Yeah, give him a good on ball defender to go with this offense and the way that things are going, you can put them on the wing and just have them just sick them on every good perimeter option. Um, I think that'd be a good fit. It, it is cool though, that like after off seasons and off seasons of them saying that they need to improve their shot profile, that they are actually finally, finally. launching threes. Yep. It took now it took Zach Levine leaving, <laughs> which yeah, is yeah. interesting. I think um, DeRozan's taking them now that Levine's gone too. Yeah, it <laughs> is pretty wild, especially because they were like outright like resistant to it. Like DeMar yep. DeRozan, even in the, in this current, like this last off season, they asked mm -hmm. him about it. He's like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to force that. Yep. Um, all right. The other one, and I did not watch this, but from a result standpoint, I did want to bring this up because I did bet them. And I think the market is so far gotten it wrong with them. The Grizzlies are better. The Grizzlies are better with John Morant. Um, the market yesterday, as we talked about, right. pushed that down from four and a half to two and a half. There was no injuries. There was no nothing. There was just a lack of belief here in the Memphis Grizzlies. This team is better with John Morant out there on the floor. And I think from a power rating standpoint, as I kind of mentioned yesterday, if they're not going to be uh, respected from the betting market, I, th I think I'm just going to keep betting them like, over and over again. For example, their next game, they're on the road against Atlanta. Yep. Like that's a game that, again, a poor, that's poor point of attack defender, very poor defense, gives up a lot of shots at the rim. It's a profile of a team that I think is going to have a lot of difficulty, and I can't wait to see what that line's going to be because I'm very interested to see after the market got burned each of the last two games for Memphis since Jaws' return, what they're going to do here on the road against Atlanta, barring any injuries. 
Yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I also like. I wish that I took the Grizzlies to make the play in a few days ago because now it's down to plus two hundred, which I still might take it. I, yep. I do think he, I do think they're going to make it. Um, everything is better with John on the court. Like the three point shooting, which has been abysmal all season. They went sixteen for thirty five last game. I thought the looks that they got against the Pelicans, even though they didn't shoot well, were good. Uh, this run is definitely this season has made me appreciate Morant more than I did before. Yes, absolutely. Now. After Atlanta, because this is part of a four-game road trip, this is going to be pretty interesting because now you're talking about at New Orleans again, but then at Denver, at the Clippers, home versus the Kings. Then you get San Antonio and Toronto, but then Lakers, Suns, Mavericks, Clippers, Knicks, Warriors, Timberwolves. Uh, this stretch through January is really, really tough for them. So I'll probably get off this train pretty quickly um, unless we're talking about games where they're catching like 10.5 points. But I, I think the market has clearly shown that they're too low on Memphis with job back. Yeah, it's a brutal schedule, but I do think that with job back, I, I expect them to win every home game. Not like every home game, but, yeah, you yeah. know, I would expect them to win every home game and I would give them a shot at being competitive in road games against teams on their level, which I do think, you know, is the top five or so teams in the West. I think that they're kind of in that talk when, when Maja's out there. Yep. I mean, I would agree with that. I mean, what are they at home right now? They, they, have, a, they have a very bad record at home. Let me see. Oh, this is good podcasting. Just yeah, I'm, I'm looking it up too. <laughs> yeah. I, all right, let's see. I've got them at, yeah, 2-11 and 11 at home. So they're a better team than that with Ja. Absolutely. Yep. All right. Well, it's a, I don't know about you, but it is a, a short slate in the NBA. And I didn't really have much. Actually, I do know about you because I read your article. Uh, so we will take our break here. Uh, unless you had anything else from last night, anything worth mentioning, anything worth noting? Not that I could think of. Yeah. Uh, I will say... Um, Watching Wizards and Trailblazers, and I'm going to have to double-check the box score here. The interesting development for the Portland Trailblazers is that uh, I want to double-check to say, because I was really watching that game, but again, I wasn't like ultimately focused on it. But closing out that game for the Portland Trailblazers, uh, they're definitely turning to like Anthony Simons and, and like some of these other guys. And Scoot Henderson has been better, but uh, Scoot does not, I think, have a role in this game or in this team or for this team to close out games like Malcolm Brogdon came in for Scoot Henderson with seven minutes left to go in the fourth quarter. And he did not come back into that game. So yeah. something worth mentioning, I guess, in terms of like, if you're playing Scoot Henderson props, whatever it is, you make sure you focus on the matchup and focus on the fact that this kid is not closing out games, not going to play in tight contests. And that uh, despite the fact that I think that he start yesterday, no, he's, yeah, he's starting to come off the bench. He is like, I don't know what Chauncey Billups is doing to the most part. Like, I think the goal should be develop the young guys, but it seems that Tumani Kamara has replaced him as like, it's weird because Kamara gets the starts over him, but then plays less minutes. But Henderson's not really part of like the big picture, at least right now. Yeah, and it's frustrating because I thought that he was playing pretty well the last two, three weeks to the point that I would ex have expected him to close games. But I guess that, you know, coincided with Simons being out. Um, I actually look at that. I look at this team and I think that Simons is potentially the blue chip trade deadline guy. If, if they would be willing to part with him at all, there are a lot of teams that could use him. 41.7 assists, four rebounds on 15 to 28 shooting for Simons yesterday it was a big reason why they came back into that game. So yeah, there's, and I, I am oddly enough, I have like a lot of Portland trailblazers, Twitter that like bleeds over into my feed. And, uh, there is like a big push from a lot of people that like, no, Anthony Simon should be the starting point guard. And it's like, okay, well, then what are you doing with the traditional point guard that you guys drafted? Like, that's yeah. that's it, kind of a predicament. If they don't like Scoot, then they they would have been better off making whatever deal they could have with three and keeping Dame around. Dude, 100%. 100%. <laughs> like, 
Like, uh, whatever. That's another <laughs> conversation. All right, we'll take our break. We'll come back. We get into Friday's card in the NBA. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Here are three reasons Zinn is America's number one nicotine pouch. We use food-grade ingredients. We have a wide selection of varieties, and they all come in two strengths. Find Zinn at a store near you. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Friday's card is not great. Uh, there are a lot of injuries as well that are kind of mucking up the business too. But we'll start at the top, work our way around. Uh, Toronto and Philadelphia, we begin here. 228.5 the opening total, 7.5 the opening spread in favor of the 76ers. We are up to 230.5 for the total, 8.5 in favor of Philadelphia. Injury report, not too crowded for Philly, at least in terms of key names. Uh, Mo Bamba, Patrick Beverly, and uh, De'Anthony Melton are the questionable uh, names. Anthony Melton and Patrick Beverly, the two big ones in that they are questionable together. And if they both don't play, uh, it's a backcourt that's pretty shorthanded because those are two of the primary three guards that you're talking about in terms of usage for Philadelphia. Did you have anything here, Zach, any lean at all for Philly and Toronto? I had like a slight lean on Philly just because they won by 15 the last time these two played at home. I do think that the talent differential is pretty overwhelming in Sixers favor. And then you add on top of that, the fact that Nick nurse knows, you know, his players on the other side better than, you know, Darko does the the other way around. So I kind of think that this is a good spot for Philly and, you know, Toronto has been really bad lately. You noted the defense has slipped off. Uh, They're three and eight straight up and against the spread in their last 11 and Philly outside of that loss to Chicago, they've been really good. I think they're seven of winners of seven of their last eight. So I would expect the Sixers to pretty easily win this one. Yeah, agreed. Uh, one of the things that I also think is pretty interesting, there is, and there's not many teams that have it, but for Toronto specifically, there's no body to put on Joel Embiid um, yep. at all. Um, sometimes, and we saw this, Nick Nurse would do this a bunch. What I like to do is, is um, in these matchups, you'll get a lot of doubles probably on Embiid. You might want to look at like an assist prop potentially yep. because – He's either going to get to the free throw line when he's trying to split those doubles, whatever, you know, that swing through the double team and, and get the line. It also means a lot of kickouts to shooters. Um, the, the potential of him going over an assist prop or racking up some assists is going to be there too. So it's only the kind of thing I think worth many, mentioning here in a matchup like this. Yeah, that's a good call. And you could also look to like Sixers three-point props for players because they'll be taking open threes because of that. So yep. it's a really good call. All right, next up, Denver on the road against Brooklyn. Denver, a four-and-a-half-point favorite, total of 230. We haven't really seen this budge. Like, I think this opened four and 230-and-a-half, and we're at, like, four-and-a-half. Um, this is one of those, Zach, where I'm looking at this, and I'm kind of wondering, hmm, 
I know that Denver this season has not been particularly great, both ATS overall and on the road. They're 14 to 15 ATS for the season. They're six and 10 ATS on the road. So it has not been a great, um, a great season if you've been consistently betting Denver in these situations. Having said that, looking at the injury report, I'm like, all right, well, I mean, there's Aaron Gordon's probable. Nobody else is on this report. I don't think Brooklyn has any single person to throw at Nikola Jokic. They're a subpar defensive team. It's one of those, like, what am I missing here? Like, I think that Denver's going to be the side. Yeah, I, I thought the exact same thing when I looked at it. I thought four and a half was really light, but at the same time, something was telling me not to bet it. Um, the only thing I, I had a slight lean on the under, I thought that the number was a little high for two teams that I don't think play at, you know, that high, that high paces, especially Denver, they play really slow. So yep. I thought this could be a game that ends up being somewhat low scoring. But yeah, I, I do have no problem with anyone that wants to bet the Nuggets. Yeah, the one thing that does, I mean, I guess, like, so when in terms of frequency of transition plays off a of live rebounds, according to Cleaning the Glass, uh, Brooklyn is eighth. And they're 12th in overall offensive efficiency off a of live rebounds in transition. Denver, of course, really struggles to guard in transition. Mm -hmm. So that might be it. Uh, but the eye test when I watch them, when I watch Brooklyn, it's a team that runs in transition and tries to find open shooters consistently as opposed to like running back and getting to the rim and whatnot. Um, I don't think it's one that's good enough to exploit a weakness that Denver has. So um, maybe maybe I'll maybe I'll frame this as a Jokic play like points, rebounds and assists over as well. I uh, love Nick Claxton, but again, it's a matchup that's just not really conducive to success defensively. So uh, this is uh, this is I'm with you. Like, but I'll say this yesterday was one of those where I was like, what am I missing here with Memphis? And I was like, no, screw it. I'm going to stick with my guns. And that yeah. was one where I sweated a little bit. <laughs> we had to sweat a little bit because it looked like they were going to blow it again. But they they uh, came back and, of course, won that game and covered with, I don't want to say ease, but not exactly a uh, an issue. So. I was in a similar spot yesterday as with Memphis as I am here. And you pushed me over the line to get me to bet the Grizzlies. So I don't know. I do feel weird not taking the Nuggets because it just the, the number looks so light to me. Yep. All right, next up, Dallas-Houston. Uh, this one I think is easy. Eight and a half is the spread for Houston. Total of 223 or 224 in uh, the everything, every number in between. The it's, it's easy because for Dallas, Luka Doncic is not playing. Dante Exum is not playing. Josh Green is not playing. Kyrie Irving is not playing. <laughs> Derek Lively is not playing. Maxi Kleba is not playing. And Seth Curry is questionable. I will say I... I get everything in terms of the uh, issues that the Mavericks are having and who's their shot creator and all that kind of stuff. They're very big issues. Having said that, I don't know if I trust Houston to win by margin. I like, I, I think this seems like a really big number. The fact that it's at home makes me trust them a little bit more, but I, yeah. I, the only thing I was thinking when I saw this game is I, I want overs on Jaden Harvey. Uh, yeah, that's points, yep, that's and exactly I couldn't what I find them. So I, I don't know if they're going to come a pop up soon, but yeah, I couldn't find them. That's what I'm looking at with this game. I think he's going to take 25 shots here. Well, that's kind of why I think they can stay inside of that number almost. You know what I'm saying? Like Hardy is like going to be a guy that is like, he's good enough offensively that in a single game, he could potentially go nuts and just keep a game and keep it, keep a team inside of this number. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I really like Hardy. It's funny because I do think that like he's a better player than the situation allows him to be because they have such a guard heavy rotation. Yeah, they got numbers. They got numbers up for excuse me, Dwight Powell and Tim Hardaway Jr. Yeah, see, I wouldn't take Hardaway because I, I I think that Hardaway this not that different for him. He's still an off ball shooter, so someone else yep. has to create his looks. He is going to take a ton of shots, probably more than usual. But I, I think it's more likely to be a Hardy that goes off in this game and gets you know the big jump in in usage. 
All right, I had to keep myself from getting emotional here when I saw these numbers open up. And I get it. Jimmy Butler is not playing. Hawks are on the road. It took everything inside of me to just go screw these guys. They're going to go in there and just lose to the Heat. Like, I just, I, like, they, wait, what have we seen from Atlanta that would make you believe that they have the mental fortitude and ability on defense, even without Jimmy Butler, to go in here and take on Miami because Bam Adebayo's back, Tyler Hero's back. Like, they do have their, like, a grand chunk of their offense. Like, I just, I don't trust this. I, this is a team that I've been burned by in the big picture. They're not going to win that division. They have been abhorrent against the spread. What about Atlanta? would say that they could come in here and win this game. I, I'm in the exact same boat as you. Like I, I have like five bullet points here for this game. Every one of them leans towards the Hawks, including the fact that like Trey Young's been quietly like a top 10 player in basketball this year. Um, he not a good team at home as, as, as favorites in the past uh, two seasons. Like there's no reason not to take Atlanta outside of the fact that I don't trust Atlanta. I'm like, it's, it's, it's that way because we were high on them before the yep. season and they just keep burning us. So I don't know. Like you're not really supposed to handicap that way, but I couldn't touch it because of that. Exactly. Like I, I, every part of me just wants to add of like pettiness and spite, just go, nah, I'm, I'm laying it with Miami. Yeah. Screw these guys. <laughs> like there's just, you, you've shown me nothing and you've, you've not shown me that you're going to be able to go in here and play a game like this. It's but. awful. I mean, like, cause like I just said, like young has been so good this year and there's been absolutely no reward for it. And like, I was such a big Quinn Snyder fan, but I've always been a big uh, proponent of like against the spreads, records say a lot about coaches and his are all starting to look really bad in Atlanta. Yep. By the way, this is building on that Memphis thing. This is the front end of the back-to-back to get Memphis tomorrow. So God. even more, even more in terms of like the, uh, why would you bet Memphis in that game? I think that's it. Like that's even more, you're going to play a tough divisional game that is important to you. You <laughs> need to win this game. And then on the second leg of a back-to-back, you get the rejuvenated Grizzlies who are going to come in there and be able to do, I think, whatever they want against your defense. So just another feather in the cap of the Grizzlies tomorrow. I can tell you this right now. The most likely scenario is they lose to Miami tonight and then beat the Grizzlies tomorrow. Of course, 100%. I know. It's it's dumb. (laughs) I I can't. Or actually, or the inverse of it, which is beat Miami comfortably and then go out there and just get smoked by the Grizzlies. And everybody's like, what? what? Like, what's happening? What? what, Consistency. Just give me something. God, I was about to curse. I'm sorry, Stephen. I can't do that. <laughs> uh, all right. The last two games up on the schedule. I know you got something here. Phoenix, Sacramento. Sacramento laying three, uh, three and a half across the board. Total 243, 243 and a half. This is one where, and I, I think I might speak for you because, um, and I don't want to take all of your thunder, but I think we're near the market low, if not there already for Phoenix, right? They have failed to cover their last four. What is it? Nine out of their last 10 but Sacramento's one of the worst defense, like not one of the worst, but they're looking like it. They're they're a very poor defense. I don't know, man. I think the market's kind of a little low here. I think these two teams are equals. I don't think Sacramento's better on a neutral. Yeah, that's where that's where I am. Like I feel like the, all the discourse surrounding the Suns is bad. I I think that I don't know if it got reported that they had a players only meeting, but it sounded like they maybe did after the last yeah. game. Uh, there were some things said like in the post game press conferences and stuff like that. But they've had two days off. I just feel like this Sacramento team is not playing well right now, even at home. I would expect the Suns to be just as dangerous, if not more dangerous offensively. And with Nurkic out, I think they'll probably be a little better defensively with Eubanks in there. So I think it's not a bad spot for Phoenix. I took them on the money line. Uh, it's tough to bet. It's tough to bet the Suns right now. I mean, like things aren't good, but at the same time, there are a lot of numbers that say that things are going to get better soon, especially like Devin Booker's mid-range numbers. Like he's down at like, 
below 48% or something after being 55-ish the last three seasons. So I think he's going to turn it around in a big way. And they have a lot of guys that they acquired this summer that are really good three-point shooters. None of them are shooting well. Like, that's going to change at some point. They're getting such good looks. Yep. I would agree with all of that. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to actually – I had to do some in-law Christmas stuff, so I'm about to post my article after this, but uh, Suns plus three and a half is actually going to be on the card too. So Yeah, I went back uh, and forth between the spread and the the money line. I just do think they're going to win tonight. Yeah, no, I mean, you are a braver man than I, and I do think that's the side. I mean, look, (laughs) I do think that, especially when we're talking about in basketball, plus three and a half, there's a high probability that they're winning that game if I am right in taking that. So uh, might split it up a bit, but I I agree with you. I think the Suns are the side here. I always like these kind of, not situations or spots, but I guess it is one where it's just like we're talking about, you know, you fail to cover nine out of the last 10 market gets a little too low on you here. You know, if they're playing like an average brand of basketball, we're talking about this spread being like one and a half. Yeah. Know? And so I'll take the extra what I deem to be two points by the way I make this number. I mean, I'm like just long-term, like I still think there's value in Phoenix in terms of futures. Like I, I'm not ready to write them off because of what we've seen early in the year because of a few oh. things that I said with the, with the shooting numbers, I think are bound to go up. Uh, but, you know, you're getting Beal back really soon. I saw him working out in the video Allegedly. yesterday. He looks pretty good. Then he'll play I, a game and then go be... away again. Yeah, yeah, he'll play one game, twist yep. his ankle completely no, over I, it. I don't think you should be. As somebody who thought this could be a team that wins a one seed if they were going to be fully healthy, I don't think that you should be too panicked about it because they built a team with the thought of having those three, and they have not had them at all. And so, yeah, things are going to get a little clunky. But if you look at them for their whole, I, I think that there is something there for this team once they become fully healthy. Uh, all right, last one. Washington on the road against Golden State. Second leg of a back-to-back. Wizards almost blew it last night in Portland. They hang on to get a win. Now they got to go face the Golden State Warriors, who might be on the upswing here, especially with guys like Clay Thompson and Andrew Wiggins. I know you had a player prop. Uh, this is one I'm going to have to talk myself out of uh, because there's a smattering of 11 and a halfs out there. You tell me why Golden State doesn't come in here and absolutely smoke this Wizards team. So that was what I was nervous about with the player prop. I wrote it in my story. I'm like, I think that Thompson's going to play really well whenever he's on the floor, but I'm kind of nervous about the fact that the Warriors could be up 15 or so in the fourth quarter and just put the bench guys in. So I do think there's a chance it's a blowout. The only, the only thing I guess I would say in Washington's favor is that they have been pretty good lately. They've actually covered, covered five straight, right? Yeah, covered five straight. Uh, two of those were games where they were double-digit underdogs like this one. So they're playing a bit better uh, defensively, and then the offensive efficiency has ticked up a little. So I, I don't know, maybe like there maybe some Golden State's somewhere in between what we've seen and what we expected lately. But I, I do think this is a game that the Warriors should win pretty comfortably, and I do think it's one where Thompson will get some really good looks at the basket. He's been on fire lately. Yep. Excuse me, and four straight here for Washington. So here's my – I like to do this line, line comparison game, right? Um, what are we talking about here? So this is also, we should note the uh, 18th, 19th, 20th. No, okay, it's not. Yeah, they had two games left. Anyway, uh, back on the 18th. So this is part of a four-game West Coast trip for the um, for the Wizards that are that's stretching over a week. Back on the 18th, they were in Sacramento. They were catching 14. The night before that, they were catching 13 in Phoenix. Both of those teams are better than Golden State because I don't think that's the case, right? Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to compare because I feel like if we had, if we talked about this a week ago, we would have said, you know, the, the Warriors would be minus eight, but they've gone out and played a couple of good games without Draymond. So that's why I was saying, like, if it's somewhere in between, I could see an argument for the Wizards, but I do think that Golden State should probably cover this. Yes, and the flaw in my logic is I'm I'm assuming because, like, I think you said it and you put it in your article. I'm assuming at this point, Clay Thompson's real. 
right? Yeah. I'm, ass- I'm assuming that the sample size is big enough that Clay Thompson's figured out whatever he needs to figure it out and that he is playing at a legitimate level. And I am viewing this team and rating this team as such. And if that is the case, this should be 14-2, right? This should be a spread that is on par with what Phoenix and Sacramento were laying against Washington. Yep. And, and just because I'm feeling a little hot takey today, I'll say I'll do say it. that I do think that Thompson's playing better. Like I do think it says a lot about what Draymond Green does to the offense. It's not that I don't think Green's a great player to both ways, but I just think that their spacing is so much better that Thompson's getting a much better quality of looks. Yeah. You don't have you don't have teams just parking their guys like twenty feet into the paint and just being like, All right, whatever, he's gonna run some dribble handoffs or do some shit. Yeah, I'll say it shit. Uh, and then, you know, go from there. I'm not on I'm not on live radio. So no, I agree. I, I think so. I think there's I think there's still value to Draymond on offense, especially when they're in transition. He's a very good passer. And there are a few guys who kind of know what Curry wants to do without without seeing it, right? Like, he'll yeah. place balls like a quarterback. Like, you'll see him throw it in the corner, like, what in the world is he doing? And then Steph's there all of a sudden catching the pass because he knows that's what Curry wants to do. But there is something to be said of having better spacing. We should also know Pajemski is questionable today. So, uh, hopefully, somehow, some way, even though if I bet the Warriors tonight, he'll burn me. He'll burn yeah. me somehow. So, don't play. How about that? it's funny because i'm like the biggest green guy too like i argue him as like a top five seventy top, top 75 player of all time like whatever i can and i just 100%. think that if they didn't lock him up to that deal like the clearest path forward would be to trade him oh so on local radio because i do espn las vegas um the the host of the show that i do um that i co-host with steve cofield like we've gotten in arguments in the past because he cannot separate draymond the person from draymond the player and so he just thinks oh he stinks we've gotten into these arguments i'm like no i'm like you Sure, you don't like him, but there's no arguing how good he is as a player or how good he has been in his career as yep. a player. Yeah. In I terms of separating that. the player and the person, by the way, Harden needs some love this season for what he's oh, doing. It's not fair. I'm with you, man. I'm, I'm 100% <laughs> with you. It is amazing how many people don't like him. But, like, I even go back to, look, I don't, the Houston thing, I don't, like, I think that was kind of a crappy thing to do. If you actually look through it, this is going to be a pro Harden podcast now, because I agree with you. Like, Brooklyn, for example, like, Sorry, I wasn't brought in here to deal with this. Kyrie's doing this nonsense. I got to deal with this. I come in to play with both of these guys, and all of a sudden I'm playing by myself for like 30 games because KD got hurt and the other just won't do what like we need to do to win this thing, and it's a constant, constant show every single time. Like, for by all accounts, he was tired of dealing with Irving. Like, I actually don't blame him there. And there's been multiple people who've kind of reported, like, he clearly Maury sold him something that he wasn't yeah. happy about. Like, it's not like it was just like, uh, oh, this sucks. I'm out both times. Like, no, like something clearly happened that made him upset. Can he handle it better? Eh, maybe, but it's not like he's like this garbage person that's, I don't know, stomping on people and hitting yeah. them. Yeah, to despise him is, is it's ignoring all context. Because, yeah, like yeah. like the Brooklyn one was, I, I think he had every right to get out of there. And I actually think it showed that he cares more about winning than people even think. Because he's like, I need to get out of this toxic situation and go – try to play in a situation that's better for me. And then the the Philly one, he took a pay cut to uh to try and make the team better. Something Sorry, am I distracting on. you? There there was just there's a really, really loud thud in my apartment Ooh. and I don't know what that was. So <laughs> it's okay. I was, we were off on a too big of a tangent anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Let's let's yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll wrap this here. The check if my family's still alive. Um it was like an oddly loud one. Hmm. All right, we'll take well we're done. Uh, we'll be back on Christmas. Yeah. Uh, very happy holidays to everybody out there. We appreciate it as always. Uh, like, rate, review, subscribe. Check out everything up on the website of eason.com. And we will talk to you on uh, Sunday slash Monday here on Harvard Handicappers.
MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to More Than a Movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.